The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today I have a really special guest with me, Drayton Bird, one of the modern day legends of direct marketing. Go to DraytonBirdCommonSense.com to find out more. Drayton, thank you for coming on the show. A pleasure. Before we begin, I just want to give a quick introduction for Drayton. The Chartered Institute of Marketing named Drayton Bird one of 50 living individuals who have shaped today's marketing. Other names included Philip Kotler, Tom Peters and Theodore Levitt. Drayton is best known as a direct marketing expert but has also worked in advertising, public relations, research and telemarketing, franchising and experiential marketing. Advertising legend David Ogilvie said, he knows more about direct marketing than anyone else in the world. Since he entered advertising in 1958, Drayton has worked in 51 countries with many great brands. These include American Express, British Airways, Cisco, Ford, IBM, Microsoft, Nestle, The Prudential, Philips, Procter & Gamble, Toyota, Unilever, Virgin and Visa. Drayton co-founded and ran Britain's biggest direct marketing agency, THB and W which he sold to the Ogilvy Group, where he became International Creative Director, Vice Chairman and a member of the Worldwide Board. His book, Common Sense Direct and Digital Marketing, is out in 17 languages and has been the UK's bestseller on the subject every year since 1982. He has written four other marketing books, including How to Write a Sales Letter That Sells, now in its third edition, and well over 1,000 columns for publications around the world. Drayton was one of the first eight honorary fellows of the Institute of Direct Marketing. In 2010, he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by the American Writers and Artists Institute in Florida. In 2012, he received a further Lifetime Achievement Award at the Caples Awards in New York. He is also the founder of the European Academy of Direct and Interactive Marketing and a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts and Manufacturers. So, Drayton, a lengthy list of achievements there. It's a real honour to have you come on my show. My pleasure. So, Drayton, how did you get into direct marketing? Well, I had a great advantage when I was young. Um, I was given an expensive education, uh, uh, but no money. And so I found myself living in a two-up-and-two-down house outside Manchester in Ashton-under-Lyne. Um, we were the only people on the row with a bath. They were hard days. This is true, actually. Um, so I was really short of, short of money. And I got a scholarship to university, but I walked out after a year because I was bored. And I then got a job as a sort of junior trade journalist. And I, again, I was making no money. And eventually a friend said, oh, you do well in advertising. And I got a job in advertising. And I very soon noticed that there were two different types of advertising. There was the kind of advertising where people ran the sorts of ads that they liked or their wives liked. And there was the kind of advertising where people had to get replies or sales or they would go broke. 
And I was very interested in the second kind, the kind where you have to get results. And in those days, there was no such thing as direct marketing. There were a number of different things which came together to create direct marketing. There was mail order where you bought things through the post. There was direct mail where you wrote to people. There were people selling on the telephone. There were, so there were lots of different things, all of which there were people selling face-to-face. They were all direct. And in every case, you could measure your results. And they, they didn't come together to create what we call direct marketing until uh, the mid-1970s. And that's how direct marketing began. And I was just fascinated with that kind of stuff because I wanted to know if I wrote something, did it sell? Did it work? So I was very interested. And um, I was also very ambitious. And after about three years up in the north, I got down to London and got a group heads job at uh, Leo Burnett Advertising. And then I got a copy chief's job at an agency which at that time was quite well known called CPV International. And then they, I became creative director there. And when I got this job, I started persuading all my clients to put coupons in their advertising to see what results they would get. And eventually, somebody who had a business selling through mail order called me in and said, do you think you could sell this product? And I said, yes. And it was a bodybuilding product called The Bullworker. And it's an extraordinary thing that there are several well-known copywriters in this business, particularly in America, who bought this product. And I wrote copy which ran all over the world. And I was also very lucky to meet some very, very clever Americans. And they really educated me to a large extent in, in the art of writing copy that sells. Um, and that was really my start. Lots and lots of things happened after that. that. That first business I was involved with went broke. I then went back into advertising, and I got a job because Charles Sarchi wanted more money than I did. Uh, then I uh, became a freelance consultant. Then I started my own business, which went became very big and then went broke very quickly. Then I was in debt for seven years, so much in debt I was living under a false name. And then eventually I started the, the agency that we sold to Ogilvy with and t- t- the three of us. None of us had £10,000 to the tax mate. And if you want to know what that really means, that, that would be of about £100,000. Yeah? No money. Couldn't come out in the open. <laughs> and in three and a half years, we were the biggest direct marketing agency in Britain. Um, because I'd, I'd learned through making a lot of mistakes. So that's really my career up to that point. Then I became the Lord High Panjandrum at Ogilvy and Mather. Um, and eventually, when Ogilvy and Mather was sold to WPP, um, I left and started working again on my own, which I still do. I write copy every day. When you rang me up, I was writing copy. Um, I was writing copy yesterday. Uh, it's a terrible thing, actually. It's the only thing I don't have to do. It's not strictly true, but <laughs> I still work, and I still. But uh, a lot of the stuff I do now is online. So there you are. It's comforting to know, Drayton, that it didn't happen for you first time. You're like the rest of us to some degree, but you have got very talented and very good at what you do. As uh, time has gone by, haven't you? Well, believe you me, I'm actually doing a speech in, uh, on Tuesday 
and it's called uh, 149 uh, Stupid um, uh, and Incredibly Popular Ways to Screw Your Business Up. <laughs> and I think I've tried most of them. Um, you only make, there's a man, there was a banker called Walter Riston, who in his day was the, the most famous banker in America. And he once said, he said, experience, judgment comes from experience, but uh, experience comes from making mistakes. Yeah, it does. It's absolutely true. So, Drayton, the first question that I had for you in regards to direct marketing was how does it differ from branding? Because they are perhaps the two most common types of advertising that you hear about. What is branding, first of all, and how does it differ from direct marketing? A brand is something uh, which is completely intangible, which only exists in the minds of the customers. And as it so happens, I was for eight years on the board of um, super brands, so I know a bit about that. Uh, um, a brand is so powerful that uh, people will actually admit that they will buy brand, a brand that they like rather than something without a brand, even though they know that the product or service is identical. So it's something that exists in the mind. And you've got to understand that the brand, a brand is one thing. You can, you're comparing apples with oranges. So a brand is this, this thing that exists in people's minds, which is created by hundreds of different things, by every contact you have with a company. For instance, if you ring up a company, if you ring up your bank, <laughs> which is likely to happen, and you want something done, and they keep sending you from one department to another, that doesn't do much for their brand. You can advertise till you're blue in the face, and it will not overcome the real experience of something. Direct marketing is not is not like branding at all. Direct marketing is a means of marketing. It is a marketing discipline. It is a kind of marketing. Um, direct marketing is by far and away uh, the largest form of marketing today because everything on the internet is direct marketing. Yeah, there is nothing you can buy or nothing you can find or nothing you can receive in the way of messages via the internet that is not direct. So direct marketing is anything direct. It's direct mail. It's somebody handling you a leaflet in the street. It's a, somebody ringing you up. It's a, a text message. It's an email. It's a website. It's a landing page. It's all these things. Branding is a totally different thing. And, in, and indeed, um, when people ask me this question, it always makes me smile. Uh, let's take a few things that are built, sold entirely by direct marketing. Um, let's say um, Sheila's Wheels. How do you think Sheila's wheels are sold? Direct marketing. Let's say Churchill Insurance. How is it sold? Direct marketing. Let's take Admiral. How is it sold? Direct marketing. Let's take uh, the big brands on the internet. Um, you won't see very much traditional advertising from Google. Everything they've done, direct, and so on and so on and so on. eBay, you won't see any direct, any normal advertising from eBay. It's all done directly. You can build a brand through direct marketing. So, A, you're comparing apples with oranges, and B, it, it, it really, it's a nonsense to assume that direct marketing cannot build a brand, or that brands do not use direct marketing. I, I, you mentioned a list at the earlier on of the clients I've worked with, but I can remember in 1985, I, I did the first video for Unilever for their people around the world on how to use direct marketing because they realized they had to use direct marketing. I did a, a seminars for Procter & Gamble 
on how to use direct marketing. So I've done, uh, I handled the Novartis account, which is a big um, pharmaceutical account, to, to manage their direct marketing. Uh, my biggest client when I was at Ogilvy was American Express. Almost everything American Express doing in, in relationship to their customers is done directly. So people do not understand what direct marketing is, you know. And if you don't understand something, you can't do it. It's just as simple as that, yeah? So direct marketing is a measurable way of advertising and it's direct, whereas branding is intangible, it's abstract, it exists in the mind of the customer? No, 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 no. It does exist in the mind. You can measure the degree to which your messages are affecting a brand. And the way you can do this is by taking two files of people uh, and communicating with one of them and not communicating with the other, and then after a period of time going back to them and finding out to what degree their perceptions of a brand have been changed by the messages they've received. You could do it by taking two different areas for it. So, yes, it's an intangible thing, but that doesn't mean to say you cannot to some degree measure it, but it's hard to put a value on it. Is branding something that is only for big companies, the McDonald's, the Cokes of this world, or do even everyday small businesses still have their own brand? In theory, I mean, it's certainly true to say that all large companies have have brands, um, and some have many brands. I mean, there are many different brands of detergent that are sold by Procter & Gamble or, or by Unilever or by uh, Colgate Palmolive. Um, a lot of small businesses like to think they have a brand, and to a degree they have. I mean, even if it's infinitesimally small and it can't be distinguished from other people's brands, there is a lot of drivel talked about brands. Uh, I actually did a seminar in in, um, in Leicester at De Montfort Business School last year on the subject. It's a very, very interesting subject. There, there is a tremendous amount of rubbish talked about brands, and we could... I mean, I can talk about it for two hours, which would be a terrible threat, so maybe we shouldn't talk about it anymore. <laughs> sure, okay. So back on the subject of direct marketing then, uh, I think we understand the difference between the two now. Like you said, it's apples and oranges, it's two different things. So on the direct marketing side of things, one popular way to get your message out and be able to measure the results is to send out an offer via the mail. Where do we find mailing lists to rent if we don't have our own list already? You go to uh, you go to list rental people. There's a large industry of people who will rent you lists, and you can rent lists which cover just about anything you like. And the the, the danger is to go out and buy a rent rather than buy. You don't normally buy mm-hmm. uh, a large number of ma- names, and then whack out something and find you've lost your shirt. Um, one of the basic principles of direct marketing, and the reason why it has grown so fast, and particularly why it's doing so, it's it's so important vis-a-vis the internet is the ability to test. Um, if you follow Google, um, you've got to you've got to uh, use Google Analytics, which will tell you what's working and what's not working, uh, and how much things are costing you. You can do the same thing through direct mail. But the Royal Mail uh, has put prices up to such a degree that it, it's not nearly as easy as it was uh, to use direct mail but apart from renting mailing lists uh, your your next question is about should we be building a database of our own look if you don't have a database you might as well pack up and go home a database consists of every single 
contact you've ever had with anybody who either bought from you or inquired from you in any way whatsoever. Anybody you meet, that is the key to your business. Um, the great uh, business thinker Peter Drucker once observed that there is only one profit center in business, it is your customer. Yeah, mm-hmm. The database is what is what holds your customers, it, what, what holds your inquiries, the people who might want to be customers, is what holds the people who have been customers. It is the core of your business. When one large bank buys another large bank, they don't buy it because they love the star, they don't buy it because they're in love with architecture and they want to get a load of new branches, they buy it for the customers, they buy it for the database. Yeah? The single most important thing you should be thinking about, apart from developing a product or service which is better than other people's products or services, is building a database because that's where the money is. And how often should we be communicating with our database? This always reminds me of uh, a question I get asked all the time. uh, How long should the copy be? (laughs) Abraham Lincoln uh, uh, was once asked how long a man's leg should be. And he said long enough to reach the ground. (laughs) There is no golden rule that says how often you should be communicating with your customers or prospects. As, but I would say as a guideline, you should be communicating with them as often as you think you have something interesting to say. Now, I, I uh, sell videos and all sorts of other things. And there's a man in Montreal in, in Canada called Etienne Junot who bought my last video, which is about how to write and persuade. And yesterday he sent me an email uh, which, which may surprise you, but didn't surprise me in the least. He said, um, I mail my list nine times a week, and they love it. Sales are at an all-time high. You know, people often ask me how often they should talk to their customers every week, every month, how often. It's a silly question. Uh, I've always said the same thing. As often as you can say, find something interesting to say. And then something very important, and if you can't find something interesting to say, then you're are in the wrong bloody business. If you can't find something interesting to say to your customers, go and get a job doing something else because that means you don't find your, your own business interesting and you are in shit. So uh, that's the answer. Do you find the businesses you work with mail often enough? A few businesses mail often enough. One uh, business category that I'm very familiar with is finance and my partner is someone fairly senior at Hargreaves Lansdowne who are the largest firm of their kind in this country, selling pensions and ISAs and investments of one kind or another. And the difference, there are many differences between what they do and what their competitors do, but one of the principal differences is that they communicate a great deal more than all their competitors. Procter & Gamble historically have been the world's most successful marketers, and the difference between them and their competitors is they quite simply they spend more on advertising than anyone else. If you are shouting louder than everyone else, you're going to do better. Shouting is the wrong word. If you're communicating more frequently in a more interesting manner, you will do better than anyone else. It's very simple. If I don't hear you, I can't buy from you. Okay, so my next question is, are you a fan of long copy? And in terms of response rates, does long copy outpour short copy? Nearly all the questions uh, in this business uh, call for the same response. And the response is, it depends. For example, I wrote a letter five paragraphs long 
for a travel company um, about four years ago, maybe three years ago, who sells to upmarket customers. And they had a problem, which is very common, which was that their database was in a mess. So they had names going back five years, and they didn't know who was interested and who wasn't. So I wrote a letter that said, you know, can you tell us if you're interested? And if you're really interested, um, why don't you... Uh, let us know. And, and that letter, which went to this old list, yeah, got a 78% response, and it got, I was surprised, um, and it got more orders than anything I'd ever sent out before. But it wasn't a long letter. The people I was writing to knew uh, what I was talking about. They knew the, 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 the company. Um, and if they said they were interested, they got a brochure, and then they could buy. On the other hand, um, one of the things that I... I'm involved in is this thing called AADIM, which is the European Academy of Direct and Interactive Marketing. Um, and at the moment, I'm selling a set of videos of uh, last year's event, uh, 12 videos altogether, I suppose about 20 hours long, uh, for about £400. And if you, if I write you a relatively short email, maybe seven or eight paragraphs, I will then send you to what we call a landing page, uh, which is a very long, narrow strip, so to speak. It looks, it's like a website, except you can't go anywhere. The problem with a website is when people go onto a website, they can wander about and leave. A landing page is something where all you can do is keep going until you either stop reading or you buy. Well, that landing page um, is thousands of words long. Uh, not many thousands, but the AADIM landing page, the landing page which attracts people to the actual event each year, I took the trouble to measure how many words it had because people often ask me this question. Um, and uh, the answer is it, was, it had 3,026 words on it. And the reason that long copy works, if it's of an interesting, if it's about something interesting, you can't write long copy about a bag of crisps. If it's something interesting, like something that's going to change my life, that's going to make me slim, that's going to make me more successful, that's going to cure cancer, whatever you like, <laughs> people will read a lot. And there is nothing to force them to read. They can stop reading at any time they like. And the same thing, they can stop listening to this whenever they like. Yeah? They will only keep listening or reading or watching as long as they're interested. So the challenge is to make it interesting and to make the, the content appropriate to what you are selling or offering and the longer you can keep people reading <laughs> the more chance you have to sell to them it's as simple as that so that's why it increases response rates and i'll tell you uh, as a matter of interest uh, to give you some idea um that the the set of videos that i've just been talking about um we wrote an email to my list which is about ten thousand people and the email, in fact, said, would you like to know about this before everyone else uh, and give us your, your opinion of it? And as a result of this, uh, about 138 people, 132 or 138, said, yes, I'd like to. So we just then wrote to these people and said, look, thanks very much. That's very kind of you. So we'll give you a discount before anybody else can buy. Uh, yesterday, we ended that offer. So 14... No, 16 people, uh, I believe it's 16, 
16 people bore, yeah? So that's 16 times 400. What's that? What's the loss? <laughs> 6,000 pounds, uh, which came from 130-odd people. Very, very long copy. Not just long copy, but a series of emails. Not just one. I think they probably had about 15 emails. The more you ask, the more you get, you know. It's like the story about walking up and down Oxford Street, asking young ladies to be very nice to you. Uh, I get a lot of slaps, but you'll do a lot better. Okay, well, you say on your website that we should adopt an editorial style when we write ads. Why is that? If you... uh, The only people who read the newspapers to look at the advertisements are people in advertising. All normal people read the newspaper in order to read the editorial. Therefore, as a general rule, it pays to make your advertising look like editorial. The power of this is such that um, about five years ago, uh, I'm the com- chairman of a, one or two companies, and one of the companies sent me an ad and said, is there any way you could improve it? And I made one suggestion, which increased the uh, response rates by about 50%. And then I made another suggestion, which double response rates, and that suggestion was uh, was simply a line at the top saying, only for readers of the Daily Express. Um, so generally, when I tested it, editorial style has improved response by between about 25% and 125%. So that's the reason why editorial style. That's the reason why you have to pay a lot of money if you want to have an editorial style feature created by the publication. In fact, this thing about saying only for the readers of so-and-so is so powerful that some publications won't let you do it, or you have to you do a deal. One of my clients is the Royal Mint, and in the last uh, six weeks I've written, oh God, six, six advertisements for the Royal Mint only for the readers of the Daily Telegraph. It works because the reason it works is that people like to belong to a special group. And we did two different layouts. My art director, I didn't do the layout. My art director is much more talented than me. Did two different layouts. And I said, try an editorial layout, an ordinary one. And he did them. And he looked at the editorial one. He said, I think this will do better. Yeah. We didn't even test it. He was so sure. I've seen on your website, you talk about reason why copy as well. I'd like to know, first of all, the reason why reason why copy works and also, do you have any examples of a client that it worked well for? I've, there are very, very few occasions when I don't use reason why. And, that, and why does it work so well? Well, think about it. When you read an advertisement or you see a commercial or whatever it may be, yeah, your natural inclination, since you're exposed to maybe 1,500 messages a day of one kind or another, is to disbelieve. You know the first news paid for that advertisement is trying to sell you something. Therefore, your natural reaction is one of disbelief, that anything you can do to make people believe will work. It so happens that uh, the birth of Reason Why Copy was introduced uh, around about 1870, so that's 142 years ago. And it was introduced by a man called John E. Powers, and most people have never even heard of it. Anybody who's still listening, I congratulate you. And I'll tell you why I congratulate you, because the reason why most people fail in marketing is astonishingly simple. They don't 
bloody well study. I am not a remarkably talented individual, but by God, I think I know more about this business and more about marketing generally than anyone else I know. Partly because I've been at it for over 50 years, but mostly because right from the start I began studying and I read about this man called Powers. And he started out in England uh, selling sewing machines. Um, and he used all sorts of devices. He started telling stories or even ads in the form of a play. He introduced free trial uses of a product and promoting an easy payment plan. But then he went to America and he worked for a very famous department store in America called Wanamaker's. John Wanamaker's store. If you go to America, there's still John Wanamaker's in Chicago. I went in there. I think they started in Philadelphia. And he would do things that simply explain why what he said was true. And one example was, he said, we have a lot of rotten gossamers and things we want to get rid of. That's why they're so cheap. Another for neckties, right? As good as they look, but they're good enough, 25 cents. So he was the first guy to develop this. And many people think it was developed by another man called Johnny Kennedy. Um, but it wasn't. Um, it was introduced by Johnny Powers all those years ago, and it still works. Um, and you need to be, you know, persuaded that what you what you're saying is true, because otherwise uh, people won't believe. One of the things that's very very uh, important is to give people testimonials. That's also that is in a way a reason why, because somebody else says it's wonderful. That's why a reason why works. If you don't put a reason why in there, you're an idiot. <coughs> and I'm happy to tell you that uh, most people in this business are idiots. Otherwise, I wouldn't have uh, made such a reasonable living at it. So there you are. Do you have any examples of one of your clients that it worked uh, quite well for? Do you know, I put it in all my copy. Okay. And I can give you one of my partners wrote, take control and boost your financial future with this beginner's guide to stocks and investing that really is simple and easy to follow. And then it's the dear reader, former New York Exchange stockbroker, reveals 10 simple rules to investment success. Now, the minute you say former New York Exchange stockbroker, that is the reason why you should believe this guy knows what he's talking about. So there's lots and lots of, uh, I use a phrase very frequently in my copy, uh, which simply says, you're skeptical, I'm sure. Let me explain, and then I'm going to explain why it's true. It all Assume that people don't believe you. Why should they believe you? They know you're trying to sell them to something. Why do you recommend reading copy out loud? Uh, do you know something? This is something I tell other people to do, and I don't do often enough myself, because an awful lot of people uh, actually do read copy out in their heads out loud. And if you if you read copy out loud and you suddenly stumble, you will know... Uh, that it, there's something wrong with it. Yeah, it needs to be reordered. Okay. I've been writing this stuff for so long that I don't do it out loud, but mentally I'm doing it all the time. And I'll, I, I actually tend to show my copy. So I've written two bits of copy this morning, or three, three. Um, and I, I always send them to, to two or three of my partners and say, um, do you, does this make sense to you? Yeah. Does this make sense to you? Um, I, I, I am not the judge, you know. I'm not the customer. So 
So that's 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 why it's a good idea. I guess you could delude yourself, couldn't you? If you if you're reading it in your own head, then you may think it sounds better than it actually is. Well, I mean, the whole subject of uh, writing copy is such a a powerful thing to be able to do um, because it, it's you don't, don't need any money to write good copy, yeah. Yeah. You don't need extra money to run good copy versus bad copy. Um, you don't need a better product, you know. You just need what's in your head and your ability to use, use words in the right order, saying the right thing. But I'll give you the, perhaps the uh, the most famous example of reason why copy actually was written by a friend of mine, and I think this is one of the two most profitable um bits of, so I'm going back to reason why, because I did make a note when you sent me this list. Um, it was a letter to sell the American Express card, and it it ran for 13 years all over the world. Being, we used to test against it every year all over the world, and nobody could beat it. And it began with the words, quite frankly, the American Express card is not for everyone, and not everyone who applies is accepted. And then it explained that uh, unlike a credit card, you had to pay uh, your bill in full at the end of every month. That was the reason. So the whole thing was a beautifully circular argument. It wasn't for everyone. Not everyone is going to be accepted. So the implication being it's going to be a privilege for you to be accepted. But aha, there is a problem here. You have to pay the bill every month. And that in itself was the reason why you could end up by saying to people, look, the American Express card is a little bit above everything else. Do you understand? Yes, it's also playing on that exclusivity factor a little bit, that not everyone can get it. Yeah, we're in the middle of a recession right now. Uh, There are only two um, areas that are doing well. Really down market, very, very cheap, and really up market, very, very expensive. Those are the only two places that are really tending to do well. In other words, Weight Rose is doing extremely well, this is an example. So is Morrison's. And finally, I've heard you say that if we want results, then we need to give people the time and the money to get them. So can you explain that a little bit further? What do you mean by that? Well, one of the problems with our business is that uh, we all of us uh, can write letters. We all of us write letters every day. The letter, we all of us write every day. And we tend to think that any fool can write, and as a result, a great many fools do. In fact, doing it is very, very, it's, it's extremely difficult to do well. Um, I am verging on ecstasy if I find a copywriter uh, who's good that I haven't found before, yeah? Yes. Because I know that copywriter is a license to print money. But since every most clients dash off letters and reports and this, that, and the other every day, they think any fool can do it, and they don't see why they should pay lots of money for it. Well, they're mad. Um, I'm doing uh, this uh, seminar tomorrow for the Royal Mail, and uh, I'm going to show uh, one or two split-run tests uh, where we've tested one advertisement against another. I'm going to show one in particular which saved a large division or a significant division of a very large organization called the Prudential from being closed down. And they weren't closed, they, were, they weren't saved by, you know, an ambulance arriving. They weren't saved by a brilliant new piece of business logic. They weren't saved by new management. They were saved because I wrote an advertisement that worked ten times as well as what they were running before. 
that's the boast. But what's more important about it is that when I show these advertisements, as I do all over the world, because I, I speak all over the world, the overwhelming majority of people get the wrong answer. In other words, they choose the one that lost the money. I actually showed it at a seminar I was doing for the marketing um, advertising agencies group uh, about four weeks ago. Some of the brightest and advertising. They nearly all got it wrong. Yeah, You don't know. Only the customers know. Yeah? You are not a customer. In fact, you would have to go on a long, hard, fast day's drive across this country to find any group of people less like their customers than the people in marketing. <laughs> Most people in marketing are right up their own arses, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Talking about strategy, sitting in meetings instead of getting on with it. Drayton, I've really enjoyed our time together. Where can we go to find out more about you and get more of your information? Well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> uh, everybody likes to get something for nothing. So here's something for nothing. Um, I have a website uh, called uh, www www.draytonbirdcommonsense.com So it's all just draytonbirdcommonsense, all one word, dot com. So it's draytonbirdcommonsense.com. And on that website, uh, you'll see on the top right a bright yellow thing with, I think it's got arrows pointed to it. I don't reply to it, so I haven't seen it for a bit. Uh, um, What I do there is I offer people, all they have to do, all you have to do, anybody, anybody who's still listening, um, all you have to do is to give me your name, your email address, and then you can do two things. First of all, you can download the best book on advertising or marketing ever written, which is only 48 pages long, and believe it or not, was written nearly 90 years ago. Still the best book, very, very short, written by a genius. And I must have read that book 20 times, 30 times, and every time I open it, I find something to think about. So that is the book that uh, my old boss, uh, David Ogilvy, he once said nobody should have anything to do with the business of advertising until they have read this book at least seven times. So you can download that book. Now, the other thing that I, I do, um, if you give me your name and address, um, email address, is I send you my helpful marketing ideas. And these are very short emails, most of them, a page or two pages long, they only take three or four minutes to read, and I send out two or three a week, um, and people love them. Uh, at least uh, one billionaire gets them, and quite a few millionaires wow. um, from all over the world. Uh, so that's, and you'll find, I think you find them useful. Most people do, and if you don't find them useful, that's all right, you don't have to read them. Yeah? <laughs> uh, it's uh, com, And I must warn you, um, that if you then subscribe to that list, this is going to astonish most of you. Mm-hmm. I'll probably start trying to sell you things. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> and you know something else? You don't have to buy them. <laughs> you don't have to buy them. So what you can do, a lot, a lot of people, uh, actually, I've had people write to me and say, look, I don't want to buy this, but can you carry on sending me the things to see how you sell it? Great. That's the end of today's show, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in. And a big thanks to you, Drayton, for coming on the show. My pleasure. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.